hairs on my body started standing on end. Silent. Nothing there. I fought to get back into my body. You are going to be a vital importance of helping us convince the masses. Type 471. Type 471. Bridge to the other world. Bridge to the other world. Welcome to Type 471. I'm Sam Kitchen. My guest today is T. Now, T has had a lifetime of really, really intimate and strange and complex encounters and experiences. It's, there's a lot involved with it. It's, it's objective, it's subjective, and we're gonna try to get to the bottom of it or at least, you know, kind of make a little bit of sense of it. Uh, T, welcome to Type 471. Hey. How you doing this evening? I'm doing all right, doing all right, just chilling. All right, good. That's a way to do it. So, T, just from the very beginning, Take us through the, your entire strange experience, your, your experience with the strange. Let's start from the beginning. Okay. Well, um, I'm thinking it was maybe around three years old. My mom put me in the corner, and uh, this was the first time she tried putting me in the corner. And she, she had tried several times afterwards without success because she found that I was entertained in the corner not doing anything, seemingly not doing anything in that corner. No, oh, I bet that made her mad. Yeah, so you know, she, 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 she couldn't resort to the corner anymore. So, but uh, the the reason why it was I had a when I was a kid, I could look at like the textures on things and the patterns on things, and I could see pictures, but. I could see him better than most people see, sort of like, you know, hey, that kind of looks like a, a face or, a, you know, an animal or something. I, had, I was able to, like, see, like, scenes and people, like, in a, in a great deal of detail. And this had started around the time I was three, yet it kind of faded back into the background as I got older. All right. Yeah. And until, like, I I didn't even think about it. I wasn't even, like, there wasn't any association with it even being weird because I thought that that's something kids go through, you know? Right. So <laughs> this was extremely vivid. So, it's like, extremely vivid still pictures or movies or both? Well, they're, they're, they're still pictures, but they were so detailed that it was almost as if um, I was looking at a photograph of something, but there was no color or anything like that. There was just, it was kind of a black and white. Right. I had, uh, I'd stopped seeing things like that probably around six or seven. And um, when I was about, um, let me see. I was I was about eight years old. We lived in this town that was um, in the country, and it was in the mountains of Northern California. And uh, I had 
always played in the woods behind our house. We had this little white trailer next to this land, and it was all wooded. And uh, I had a plate out there all the time. And I kind of knew my way around it. But when one day I was kind of looking around close to my house, and I found this spot that was about maybe eight feet around. It was like a circle of grass. And all the trees around it had this strange moss on them that hung down. And it was kind of a breathtaking like place to look at. And uh, I thought it was interesting. And after that day I had, that I had found it, a little later on down the road, my mom was going to go into town, and she was going to take me, but she said I could play in the woods for like five minutes. So I went out there, and I decided I'd go to that place. Well, I went to where I thought that place was, and suddenly everything around me was unfamiliar. And I knew that little section of woods behind our house pretty well because I'd, I'd always been back there playing around with friends and stuff. And I went to find it, and I found that everything was, wasn't familiar. And I saw through the trees what I thought was my house. I went through the trees, and it was a completely different house. Now, there weren't any other houses for miles around where I lived at the time. Well, maybe a mile, because that's where I ended up being. It was a mile away. Hmm. And uh, I, I, was, I, was I started crying because I, I panicked. It wasn't a normal kind of feeling I had. And a dog came out and started barking at me. And its owner came out and saw a crying kid behind the house and she, uh, it, it was an older lady, and, and uh, her husband was in the house, and she went and got him, and they drove me home. Well, it took about a mile away from where I lived. And I seemingly got from behind my house to behind their house, which, if you were in the woods, they were both white houses. I, I do realize that, but I don't think I may had made a mistake as to walk a mile away from home, you know. Right, you couldn't have wandered that far unintentionally in that period of time. Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, I So when I got home, my mom had been out looking for me in the woods for a while, and the whole ordeal to me took maybe 10 minutes I I I had gotten lost and driven home all in that amount of time. And I was I was really panicked because it was really not it wasn't a normal like occurrence, you know. It 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 wasn't a normal feeling. Like it was I felt like something I there was a show in the 80s called Tales from the Dark Side. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember that show. Uh, yeah, well, I had told my friends that what happened to me is I went into the dark side <laughs> when I was a kid because that's the only point way I, I, like, could think of it. Right. And, uh, and so they took me home and my mom after she came back to the house and saw that I, I had come home. And, you know, I was just okay. So fast forward to uh, 
my teen years, I started seeing a lot of craft in the sky. Like, saw my first thing in the sky when I was 12. I was in bed, and I woke up, and I, and I had this, like, nagging feeling to go out to the back porch, so I did. And this orange orb flew over. Yeah. What, what did this? What did this orange orb look like? Did it have any substance to it, or was it just a light? It was a light, but it was a big. It was it was bigger than what a satellite or star would be. Bigger than plane lights. Okay. And uh, it didn't flash or blink. It was just one continuous orange light, and it flew over silently. So. That, that that was basically the first time I saw saw one consciously, I think. Yeah, first time you saw an orb or a UFO. I mean, what a what, UFO, right? A UFO, yeah, right. Um, and and just to back up a second, I I just wanted to tell you, uh, as for you finding yourself in a place that you didn't intend to find yourself, it, some people may you know want to dismiss this or they might find it strange or whatever. But I just want to point out, you're not the first person to tell me about this recently. Someone else has actually told me something very similar to that. So this, this is something that happens, and there's a long tradition of it. This, this kind of thing that you're telling me about actually reminds me very much of old Celtic fairy lore, where someone is in a place that is otherwise familiar to them, but then they find themselves in a place that is unfamiliar to them. It's a, it's a phenomenon that goes way, way back. So I just wanted to take a moment to point that out. Now we're okay. talking, yeah, now we're talking about the, the orb part, and go, go ahead and continue. Sorry for interrupting. Oh, no problem, man. No problem. Um, uh, I, I just, uh, that, that, that whole experience was, I, I think, the first anomalous thing I really noticed as a kid, you know. Sure. The other stuff about being able to see faces and things, I just thought every kid did that. And everybody does it to an extent. We're kind of trained to look at faces, you know? Right. And so, you know, we end up seeing them in certain things. And, you know, I understand that, but not photographic, like, quality. Right. Know? Yeah. It's, it's thought that this is a survival mechanism that has, you know, that, that was instilled in us from our very earliest days of humanity. And it was to, to help us see enemies in foliage and uh, in, in thick forest, etc. So there is, yeah. there is very much that phenomenon that occurs. But for you to take it to the place where you can see in, in absolute detail a still yeah. picture in, in, a, in an otherwise inanimate object, that, that's you know, saying something specific about you. It may have to do with your own sensitivities to whatever. I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Right, whatever it is, um, I found out that not a lot of people like have, do that. Have seen that stuff, and if they do, they usually get called crazy. You know. Yeah. And, you know. Um, I I had gone through that experience with um, being misplaced, and then seeing the UFO. To later on, I'm. I'm deciding I'm going to study religions and and I, I, I'm going to study UFOs and, and everything and get to know what the what the heck is uh, is is up with the whole business. Now, everything I'm telling you is basically because you're going to run into every one of these stories again 
in my future. Now, I was interested in all these things. I was interested in the occult. I was interested in um, all sorts of um, esoteric knowledge, you know. And at an early age, you know, from when I saw the UFO on on up, and when I was about 14, I had been interested in out-of-body experiences. So I bought this book, and I read it, and it was supposed to tell you how to do it and everything, and I had tried the methods and What and book all that. was this, by the way? Um... I, I think it was called Out of Body Adventures. Was it uh, Robert Monroe? Yes, it was Robert Monroe. Oh, yeah. I like his books. Yeah, well, I had used that. I'd stopped using it and uh, and kind of forgot about it for a while. And uh, one night I actually left my body. Now, the feeling of leaving your body is something very... Uh, very distinct you know it's a very much its own experience you can't explain it and it's like it's kind of like vibrating out of your own body and that's what it feels like to me when it happened it felt like a roller coaster and it felt like winds were batting in my ears and so i decided I, uh, i'm done i'm going back and i was just above my body and um and i went back now, I had a couple out-of-body experiences after that, and each time had been not so desired results. You know, I, I, one time I left my body and somehow I was stuck on the floor and I couldn't get into my body so easy. There, there was a couple of other times that were similar to that, but I, I, did, I never did it voluntarily. I know the feeling. Uh, I don't sleep on my back because every time I sleep on my back, I find myself out in space somewhere. It, it can be kind of an overwhelming sensation. And that, that wind that you mentioned, I've experienced that. I experienced this, this wind, like you say, and it, it, there's also kind of this hissing sound. like a, it's, I don't know how to describe it. It's not really staticky, but it's just this kind of underlying hiss to everything. And uh, yeah. you, you wouldn't believe how often people report that wind sound that you're talking about when experiencing out-of-body travel. Yeah, it was, uh, it, you know, I just realized that, you know, going out of the body wasn't for me. It, wasn't, it didn't work very well or easily, and it happened to me involuntarily. I, so I, I was familiar with the feeling of leaving my body. So all of the, these things uh, so far I've told you are... Now I'm going to tell you why I told you about the first place. Okay. Um, in 2006, I had a um, music career. I had a family and I had a home, and I I, I was kind of situated at the time. One night I'm having a dream. I'm in my bathroom, and I feel the hands come around my face. Now they're these very big hands. They're almost Looney Tunish looking. They're they're not normal looking, and they reach around my head. And in this dream, I'm in my bathroom while I'm sleeping in my bed, and I feel something pulling me out of my body, and I'm being pulled until I'm panicking, and I pull myself back in. I I try with all my force to pull. 
pull myself back in and I pull myself back in and I wake up and I wake my wife up from it because I was really disturbed. And uh, so after that experience, I go into the bathroom and on top of the ceiling of the tub where I was sitting in the dream is a huge handprint. Wow. So, and, uh, so just I just want to clarify for a minute. You were in bed with your wife. You you had this experience, some, some something you're calling a dream, in which you're in the bathtub and this entity grabs your face. That's that's what happens. You're you're physically in bed, but you're dreaming of being in the tub. Correct. Exactly, and it's pulling me out of my body, but I'm still in my bed. You know. Right. So it's a strange juxtaposition. I understand, but that's the best I can describe it. Yeah, and, and you're doing a good job of it. It's it's really not so strange to me. I understand exactly how that works. Your mind comes up with something to to give it context. So you see yourself in the bathtub, even though you're physically in bed, but you're being pulled out of your body at the same time. That's that's your mind seeing what's happening. It doesn't necessarily negate anything that's happening. I I feel that you really were being pulled out of your body. You seeing yourself in the tub is something, you know, it could be just something your mind is telling you it, it, just to give yourself some context. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, I want to ask you, this thing grabbed your face. Where on your face was it grabbing you? Around my eyes. That's what I thought you were going to say. And that's, yeah. that's interesting in a broader context of a whole bunch of stuff. Well, it had, it, it, uh, it grabbed my face, pulled me out. That's what I experienced and what I think I experienced, you know. Um, my, I, um, after that, I didn't pay much attention to the, what looked like a handprint that looked just like that hand on the ceiling of the bathroom over the, I was in the tub in the dream and it had been in the tub where it had got me. So, yeah. Okay. I, I, I didn't take that into consideration when I was saying the thing about your mind doing this to give yourself context. So, I mean, there, there, you know, there are all sorts of things that happen in these situations. Like maybe you had already astrally projected while sleeping into your bathroom and you were in your bathtub in an astral state and then an entity came and grabbed you from that, from that spot. Does that feel like that might've been what happened? Well, I, I mean, I can speculate, but I mean, I, I, you know, I'm just going to leave it as an open question still, you know, that's, uh, that's the best thing to do. I, of course. I agree with you that, 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 that is a possibility. I just, I don't want to say this because the second I say if something is something, it's going to, like, prove to me that it's not, I know. <laughs> yeah, well, you're you're absolutely right to do that, to leave it as just an open question, because you don't know, nobody knows, I don't know. I'm just yeah. just tossing out ideas, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. I got you. Yeah, so, I mean, um, leaving it as an open question is the smart thing to do, for sure. So, after this experience, I wake up one morning. It wasn't long after. It was a couple months after this. I wake up one morning and I can see pictures and stuff. The funny thing is I can see pictures in the grime on the cabinet, like perfect pictures. And the weird thing is I could rub my hand over it, and the more I did that, the more the pictures showed up. Hmm. That's interesting. 
it was like interacting with me somehow to make the picture. But I wasn't I wasn't doing anything other than like wiping my hand across it once or like blowing on it for a second. Right. So I got all these pictures that I had seen all over my house and I was seeing things even crazier than that around the time around um, 2006 and I felt like after this experience I felt this like mind expanding joy when I found out I could see pictures and things I thought it was something special and maybe I could use it to help people or something you know right and uh and so I had this really uh, prolific time to sit down and write, and I wrote pages and pages about the way existence is set up, and you know, all these ideas that I I would they were just like hitting my head, and I I I had to write them down. It went from me seeing things to a, a complete nightmare in a month's time. And for two months, I went through the worst hell anybody could possibly imagine. What went on during that time? Um, well, it got even bigger, whereas I, I went out one morning and I turned on the TV and the people were talking about me on TV. And you think it's a paranoid schizophrenic thing, and I am mentally ill but I think that's because I'm so damaged by what had happened you know I'm glad you pointed that out in this moment you uh you have schizoaffective disorder is that it yeah okay yes I do okay and but here's the thing is at the beginning of it I was seeing these faces and um there was this one particular face that was on the kitchen cabinet. And we had cleaned everything in the house except for this cabinet for some reason. And after I had been on antipsychotics and things being normal, I still saw a picture there. I still saw the same picture I saw the first time. And in perfect detail. And this that was happening at that time where you're seeing these pictures that kind of taps into something that was that had been happening up until the age of six but it, that you had kind of grown out of at that point and then it, it resurfaced later in your life in your in your adulthood yeah yeah okay and um sorry i just want to take a moment to talk about mental illness if if we can do that for a moment yeah definitely now when people hear these things and they hear that someone experiences a mental illness, it, it might be very easy to throw it all out and say, well, this person is mentally ill. That's why this is happening. I would encourage people to not be so quick to dismiss based on that. Let's not forget that shamanic tradition all throughout human history and throughout many human cultures is linked very closely to mental illness. Uh, mental illness and spiritual sensitivity have always been known to go hand in hand. That's not to say that everyone who is mentally ill is spiritually sensitive or vice versa, but that is to say that 
there is a strong correlation between the two. So let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater and make assumptions when we hear that someone is mentally ill. Yeah. I'd like to not, not be thought of as a crackpot of some kind. I'm not. I, I've seen some crazy shit. And it's a... And and the other thing is, is some of this stuff other people experience, you know? Yeah. When all this stuff happens and you go to thinking you're special, like, like it's kind of crazy. It's very, like, very, it feeds, feeds your worst, the worst parts of your ego, you know? You know how they say, like, absolute power corrupts absolutely? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, well, it's that kind of thing where, like, if you, if you actually had the ability do things that most people weren't able to do. It just makes you feel like you can get away with more, you know? And I thought a million stupid things about myself during that time. I I, I don't want to get into them because, <laughs> because that's, that's, it'll be pretty embarrassing. <laughs> well, suffice it to say there was a little bit of grandiose thinking going on. Yeah. So I just, I, one morning I woke up and it was the exact opposite. It was evil. It was everything around me. Suddenly, everybody, including my wife and my in-laws and my friends and my band and my, uh, everybody I knew wanted to kill me and eat my, kill me and my kids and eat us. Now, this isn't really what was happening, but I was somehow, it's like it's like being slipped some kind of Mickey, you know? Yeah, I think I know what you mean. You know, I was somehow, I don't, I, the, the thing is, is I don't know how connected it is to reality, you know? I don't know. It got so bad that it was like literal hell was going on. Like, I'd turn on a TV and they'd be talking about me. I'd open a book and it'd be saying bad things to me. I'd listen to music and it'd be narrating the situation. Do you think this is just a pure product of mental illness or do you think there was something else going on or do you think both were happening? What What do you think? I, I think, I, well, I think both were happening to a certain degree. Yeah. Like, I don't think it was one or the other. I think it was both at the same time. And what a concert they performed, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I, I think one of the hard things about it is all the stuff that I was tormented over were, were things like my, wh what kind of character I, I was. Like, it attacked what kind of person I was. Mm. It made, made fun of my values, made fun of my, uh, it was cruel, you know? Yeah. And it was cruel in the kind of way that men are cruel. You know. How do you mean? Like um <laughs> let me put it this way, okay. Where an alien might come down and scare you with a ship or or light, ship's lights or come snatch you up. A human being will insult and make fun of your wife. You know. Yeah, people try to cut to the core of you to hurt you in the 
most efficient way they possibly can. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah, but it's a people thing, you know? Yes. I don't think it's anything any alien species has figured out. Or has need to. of. Yeah. I I mean, as as far as I know, you know, I, I don't know if there's... It was attacking, like, the things that the music I like to listen to. It, it, it was attacking me that I couldn't put a movie on without it saying something disturbing. It was just, it was horrendous. And it was without, like, it was without reprieve, and it lasted for, like, three months, I think. I started taking antipsychotics at the beginning of one month. At the, at the ending of one month. And it took two months for them to find something that made the feeling go away. It made the feeling go away, but not the like thought process. That's why I think it's not so much because I'm crazy. It's because the thought process remains. The, the, the psychotic like um, panic is gone. All of that that feels like it covers everything is gone. But my reasoning is still there, I guess. Right, I see what you're saying. And I think I might be able to provide at least a little bit of perspective, not to say that I'm right about this, but from my own experience, I also struggle with mental health issues. I experience crippling anxiety. I have horrible depression. And I, I get into these thought patterns where that, that same sort of thing is happening. Like, no matter what I do, it, it's, it's reflecting something bad about myself back at me. And uh, I think this is a, a human thing that happens, but I think mental illness can take it to a whole other level and can make it into something that seems like it, it may exist outside of yourself. Does that sound fair? I think... I think it does it does sound fair, you know. And a lot of times I think of it as I want to think of it as just mental illness, but there are certain things that had happened that were so uncanny that how could I explain that, you know? Right. That's not to say that mental illness is the only thing that's happening, but yeah, yeah. but like we're talking about there's kind of a a, a dance between the two uh, and mental illness and whatever these unexplained experiences are. Um it's kind of hard to see where one begins and the other ends and, you know, how they blend together. Exactly. Right. Exactly. When I talk, and not even this, the um, psych department uh, at the clinic, not even they would tell me what I was seeing was psychotic. Hmm. Was psychotic. Like, the guy, I said, am, why am I, am, I, am I experiencing something that isn't real? I asked them straight up. And he said to me, well, what's real? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, are you telling me it isn't real? Or And uh, what are you telling me? He goes, hey, man, if it's real for you. Right. From and, and the whole attitude of everybody around me was stuff like that. There were times where I was at my in-law's house where I was on the floor curled up into a ball on the floor. And no, everybody would walk and step around me. Mm -hmm. Wow. And, you know, so it got, it got very cruel. It was really hard dealing with my in-laws because it was scary. 
I felt most threatened when I was around them. The funny thing is, is all these songs that I listened to that was ta- telling me stuff and talking about my business. If you listen to Elton John, Madman Across the Water, you'll know exactly what I went through with my parent, with my in-laws. Mm. I couldn't go there. I couldn't go there because if I, I went there, I felt like I was just moments from being sacrificed in the backyard because I thought that something really bad was going to happen when I got there. And even when I got there, they made me, it made me feel like something bad was going to happen. Yeah. You know, movies. Yeah. You know, you know, they're two dimensional media in the second dimension. They are reality. You know, they are literally the reality of the second dimension. You know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. And it takes millions of dollars and tons of people and tons of man hours to make them, right? Certainly. Well, the same thing goes on with our reality. The level higher up above us dictates and creates this. Now, I wasn't dealing with my in-laws. I was dealing with their creators, I think. Oh. That's the, and that's where it all comes. That I I don't know if I told you that yet, but that's basically the gist of. You have expressed a thought like that without putting it in those exact words, but uh, yeah. yeah, I I understand what you mean by that. Understand that um, if I was the actor playing Ben, I could make him say whatever I wanted him to say, right? Certainly. So, my uh. My my in-laws could have said whatever they were influenced to say by, you know, the ones responsible for their existence, you know? Well, let me, let me throw out an idea to you. I feel, uh, like you're saying, there, there are higher realities, and this, this reality is a product of those higher realities. I'm completely on board with that. But where it gets a little bit tricky is the fact that we exist in those higher realities. We are, at the same time, part of those higher realities and this reality, and it is ourselves from those higher realities, the higher, truer forms of ourselves that are manifesting as ourselves in this three-dimensional reality. So, oh, yeah. so I mean, it is actually us who, who is responsible for what is happening in this three-dimensional world. And I believe very strongly that we have free will and uh, we, can, it, it, we can make this reality into just about whatever we want it to be or what we don't want it to be without even realizing it. I think the place where it gets tricky is, is in the idea of entities that are not these people manifesting in, in such a way that they're influencing the behavior of these people. It's more like, have you ever seen a picture of of the Hindu version of, of rebirth, death and rebirth? It's It shows a human body going from from baby all the way to old person, all the way to death, and then going back to baby, right? Right. Well, there's this steady stream going all the way through that line of, of people, that of who he is, from going from a baby to this, to that, to this, to that, to that, until his death, right? Right. Well, the Hindu belief isn't that 
he turned into these different versions of himself, but that this soul is passing through this personality. And it's the soul is souls are bigger than you think. You know, when you say you have a soul, I think it's more like the soul has you. Yeah, I believe that a soul is a is an infinite, unending thing. It's part of the infinite. It, it, it there's, yeah. it's not like my soul fits inside my body. My body yeah. is an extension of my soul. Yeah. Right. So that that that's basically what I'm saying, and that's what I'm saying is their soul. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That that I get right there. Yeah, that's what I mean. I don't mean that there was something influencing them. I mean they were influencing. Okay. Yeah, that but, that that gives it some clarification. Okay. That, see, that's why I have a hard time even disseminating this information. It's like, you know, it's like I I used to have the gift of gab. I, I used to be like eloquent. Well, you still are. You're 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 very well spoken and thankfully you, you you speak grammatically correctly, and I'm very glad for that because I can't stand it when people can't string two words together. Uh, yeah. But, but uh, yeah, no, you're you're expressing it very well, and in fact, you expressed that part of it better than than I did, and I'm I'm glad you did that. That that gave it some clarity. So we have talked about up till now your childhood experiences the onset of whatever it is that has been occurring in your adulthood that, you know, combines both mental illness and uh, these strange experiences. So what comes next uh, on the timeline? We, we, we talked about you seeing the images in the, in the various textures. We, we talked about you being curled up on the floor, uh, going through extreme hardship internally. What, what comes next after that? Well, um, I, I had gotten, I had been on, um, a certain antipsychotic and all of the panic went away, but, um, none of the lessons and none of the, there was a very bitter feeling where I was supposed to like, accept that my reality wasn't what I thought it was. But at the same time, my wife wanted me to leave their lives. And, uh, we had a bitter divorce and she took everything I owned. So oh. I, I, I ended up at the end of it all without my kids, without my wife, without my home, without my band, without any of this. And there's certain forces on this world that are capable of doing that to people. What are those forces? I'm not, I well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go into that like, uh, over an interview <laughs> on it just because if I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you privately. Gotcha. Because some of this stuff I have to leave out because I feel like it'd be a little dangerous if I did. Uh, that's a wise decision. I, I know that there are certain things that can be said on mic and certain things that cannot be. So I, I hear you. Yeah. Uh, but I will tell you that, um, that it hasn't been easy. I've been barred from my old life. My wife made it so I couldn't see my kids so easy. My, uh, for some reason, my whole family treats me like I'm a pariah. My mother, my extended family on my mother's side up there that all live up there close to my wife and my kids. And uh, I'm just kind of cut out of everybody's life. 
Oh. Like I'm being punished, you know. Yeah. I'm very sorry to hear that. It's just, you know, if it were just me being crazy that caused all of this, that'd be a terrible tragedy, but it's more than that. It's, it's, uh, I suspected at the beginning that I, I'm being, I'm suffering because of maybe who I was or who I am truly, you know, like it, it might be that my soul is the one in trouble. Well, sure. There is such a thing as karma. Karma is cause and effect carried over from incarnation to incarnation. I know reincarnation exists. I was born into this world remembering past lives. So there is a a cause and effect relationship that carries over. And it's it's intended to to point us toward our true individuality. It's intended toward to help us mature as true individuals at one with the infinite, just like we were talking about a moment ago. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, it, it absolutely is your soul, you know, showing you, ex- exposing you to, you know, some harsh realities that you have to confront. Does that sound, yeah. does that sound about right? Yeah. Yeah, it does. I am, I'm leading to more, more stuff is what I'm saying. Okay. Um, I, I had a, gone through this and everything and it had shown me certain it, it, it by accusing me of doing certain things it showed me that these things existed you know like i was kind of like a dude walking down the street and somebody said that guy's a bank robber and fucking um and i didn't know what the fuck one was you know sure you know yeah okay okay but I learned what one was as soon as they chased me. <laughs> so, so what I'm saying is that I learned there are things. I I learned there are extraterrestrials. I learned there are, there's the subtle universe, the subtle body. Mm-hmm. And I learned that I learned that there are things like psychic vampires. You know, I never thought that was possible, but it is. Yes, it is. And that's what the experience taught me. And so it's taught me in a way to look at the world in a different way. And, and, it, and that shows me, like, people's behavior kind of show me what kind of people they are. You know, if somebody is a psychic vampire, I think I'd be able to tell now, you know. So you think this has given you some perspective? Yeah. That's a better way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. Right, giving you a little bit of insight into people and maybe a little bit of wisdom. Yeah. Yeah, it it, it was the worst experience because, I mean, the worst of it all was worrying about my my kid, you know. You worry Absolutely. about your kid. Oh, yeah. Know? And so that was the worst, and and that's the hardest part to get over. So... I I have a hard time, and this is a hard thing for me to do to talk to anybody or be interviewed, because I, you know, I I worry about them, you know, right. and they're grown up now, you know, but I still worry about them. Of course you do. Well, we don't want to do anything that's going to compromise you or your family during this interview, so you know we're keeping everything nice and vague or very general. 
<laughs> that that sounds good. That sounds good. Um, <laughs> cool. I was part of the music business, and this stuff goes back into the music business. You know, as a as a result, I haven't. I haven't gone up and played music for anybody since 2006. I'm not sure if I'm ever going to get back to doing normal people things, you know, like, you know, playing music and, you know, stuff like that. I'm. Did you choose to stop playing music? After what I experienced, yeah, I, I, cho- I chose it. I chose to quit. Um... Not just that, but during this whole experience, I had come down with this illness in my spine. The funny thing about this illness is I can't get a diagnosis for the life of me. I mean, the doctor says, well, we can call it a degenerative disc disease, but of an exotic nature of some kind, you know, it's not normal. Right. When when you talk about this, I can't help but but think of the connection between the mental health issues you've described and this thing that's going on with your back, whatever it is. And and I also can't help but consider the possibility of Kundalini crisis, wherein Kundalini begins to rise through the body, but it can't properly rise through the body because you know there are various blockages in the person, you know, any number of things can lead to a blockage in any individual. It's as complex a thing as is a person. And when Kundalini can't rise through the body, it can get stuck and cause damage in certain areas, twisting and turning. You know, it's kind of like unleashing extreme power and, and focusing it on the inside of your body. Does, does that sound like something that might be a possibility to you? Well, the thing I thought was happening when in 2006, when I thought things were going good before it went turned and went bad, when I was having these mind-expanding experiences, I was able to do things during this time. Like, I was able to feel, I touched a girl's head and she had a kundalini experience. Oh. And I could use my voice to attract people. Like, my voice got even better to people for shows and stuff like that, and you know, um, I'd be on the phone with some somebody I've never met, and they'd want to stay on the phone with me because of my voice. And uh, I, I just, I, I had a, it, it was like a supernatural freaking gravitas going on. Hmm. It made me feel that, like I said, you know, it makes you feel special makes you feel like you you know you're you're here for some benevolent reason and so i let myself be diluted and until it became bad that's as uh, that's as detailed as i can get into my experience i think okay do you mean into your experience in general or that particular aspect of your experience um well basically everything i've, I've given you all the juicy details up till now <laughs> right gotcha I've, my road has kind of been one of a washed up, you know, beat up, you know, old rocker, you know, that's what that, that's kind of what everybody delegated me to, to everybody who pretty much thought of me as like, <laughs> it has been and it ever was, or a, you know, a failure, burnout, 
That's what I. That's what people think of me now. So you think you're expected to play that part? I don't know if I'm expected to play the part, but I don't know if I'm interested in what anybody thinks of me anyway. You know. Good for you, because that sounds like a bullshit part to have somebody else put on you. Yeah. Well, you know, I I, I tend to gravitate where I'm to where I'm tolerated and not celebrated. <laughs> <laughs> If I'm doing if I'm doing the most moral thing, I'm going to be considered a burnout the rest of my life. You know. I don't know how you mean that. How how does that connect? Well, do you think a guy with my experience should be uh, given a microphone? You know. Well, sure. I mean, that sounds like your experience is an awesome reservoir of creativity. I mean, look at it that way, and also. Yeah. It could also be seen as you being an evolving person. You don't have to be the same thing that you were before. You can be something yeah. more. In the last few minutes of the show, I want to uh, kind of flesh out a couple of things. Yeah. You, you talked about this, this individual taking you off the porch. I want to know everything I can know about that and what this individual looked like and just every little detail of the experience. Can, can we flesh that out a bit? Yeah, this was a little before um, the experience I had leaving my body in that whole bathroom thing. Yeah. Um, this was, um, I don't know how long before, but it was definitely before. Um, it, one morning about 4 a.m., I heard a knock at the front door. I was asleep in bed, and my kids were in their room asleep. I heard a knock on the door. I get up. I walk to the door and I open it. And there's somebody in some kind of outfit. There's something, there's something standing out on the front porch. And it looks kind of like a dirty Kachina doll. It's standing, it's about five, three, five, four. Oh, it was and, short. Yeah. Okay. And uh, it uh, grabbed me and threw me over its shoulder and walked toward the parking lot of my apartment complex. And uh, the last thing I remembered was yelling, I'm not going to be afraid, because I figured, hey, if I'm having some kind of experience, I'm going to show my scared of them. <laughs> Rightfully so. Good for you. Uh, but, uh, but it, no, I was afraid, definitely. <laughs> but uh, but I... Uh, and I, I, everything went black from there. The next thing I remember, I'm waking up to my alarm, and I got to get my kid ready for school. Now, what kind of clothing was this individual wearing? Now, this was weird because it was like, it was like almost a costume. It was this thick, kind of foamy feeling material that was covered on the outside, on the outer layer, with like this rubbery, flaky stuff. But it seemed very like it seemed very like like it was made out of stuff people made, you know, not not made out of anything exotic, you know. Right. And what uh, did its hair look like? 
it it had a round, perfectly round head, and these perfectly round eyes, and this kind of slit for a mouth. We're we're talking about bowling ball round, right? Yeah, bowling ball round, like perfectly round. Weird. And like it was a helmet, like definitely a helmet. Gotcha. But it had these hair-looking things coming out of it that looked like yarn. Makes me think of a Raggedy Ann doll. It looked like a Raggedy Ann doll, almost. It did. But it grabbed me, pulled me off the porch. Then, But then during my experience, when it got bad, when things got really bad in 2006, I was sitting next to my wife, and I had a thought of being taken off the porch. I, I just thought about it for a second. And then I got this overwhelming, this overwhelming, horrible feeling so bad, um, it moved me to tears. And my wife was like, what's up? Why, why are you crying? I'm like, I, I was like, what did you do to me? What did they do to me? What did, I was blaming my wife. I was blaming everybody. So, was this before or after that particular experience? This was after. This was even after being pulled out of the body. So, so this guy took you off the porch, and then you were pulled out of your body, and then later you just had this thought about being taken off the porch, and that's when this happened, and you had this extreme emotional reaction. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember losing my shit. I just, I, and I didn't know why. I was like, what happened to me? What happened to me? Why am I crying, you know? You uh, actually drew a picture of this entity for me. May I share that picture with my listeners on Instagram? Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. And I'll I'll just take this moment to uh, remind my listeners, look for Type 471 Podcast on Instagram to see the pictures that, or this one picture that T is talking about, and all, all pictures related to this show, for that matter. Now, there's one more thing that I want to discuss. We're at the end of the show. Okay. You, earlier this evening when we spoke, you mentioned to me a sense of impending something. And you you said that you've had this feeling one other time in your life. So I want to go over that. I want to go over when you've had this before, what is happening now, and what you think is going to happen. Okay. Um... I don't I don't have any thoughts on what is going to happen. I just have a bad feeling that it's like a pressure in the air though with me. It's it's um the only other time I felt like this was we I went camping. This is 2010 and I went camping with my sister and her husband and my friend Teresa. The whole day I'm feeling this impending doom feeling this this pressure in the air i'm feeling this like heavily and that night i'm sitting around the fire and i know something's 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 wrong and i look up above and there's these craft flying like low over our campground and i i ended up staying up all night that night because i didn't trust the just because of the feeling i didn't trust anything that feeling I have that, and I'm having now. Well, I I hope nothing bad happens, but whatever happens, I I hope you communicate it to me. I hope you let me know right away. Yeah, 
I hope nothing bad happens. I just, I, I've just haven't had this feeling. Sometimes I get it once in a great while, and it's kind of a foreboding kind of, you know, it, it makes even a sunny day seem sinister. <laughs> you know? Yes, I, I sense the flavor of what you're talking about for sure. <laughs> All right, T. Well, we are at the end of the show. Uh, what you have described to me and to us is, I mean, it's complex, it's this, it's that. I have no idea what to call it, but I think it's very important that you are sharing it with people, and I really appreciate that. Thank you very much, T. Yeah, no problem, man. Yeah. And uh, we're going to be talking again soon, of course. Um, I'm going to just do my outro really quickly, and then I'll I'll just talk to you uh I'll I'll just talk to you after I do my outro. You, nope, you, yep. you know you know what I'll just record my outro later. Um. So yeah. So that yeah. That's that's about it. Um. I I should have asked you at the very beginning of the show. I forgot to do it. Just to appease the state of California, do I have your consent to record this phone call? Yeah. All right. Great. Thank you. <laughs> that was yeah. the, that was the last bit of business I needed to take care of. Um, okay. I got you. Yeah. Okay, so I'm so now I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do you know my my sign off with you, T. Thank you so much for being on Type Four Seven One. Thank you. All right, take care. You too. All right. Joseph Campbell said, "The schizophrenic drowns in the same waters in which the mystic swims with delight." There is a close connection between mental illness and spiritual sensitivity. Cultures of the past have been aware of this connection and further understanding of this connection is urgently needed in our society. It is a subject worthy of further investigation. Look for Type 471 Podcast in most places where you get your podcasts. I should be on Apple Podcasts, but I screwed something up. I'm still trying to figure it out. I'll be on Apple Podcasts soon. But don't forget to subscribe to Type 471 in most places where you get your podcasts. Also look for Type 471 Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. I'm Sam Kitchen. Thanks for listening to Type 471.